Good morning. This is your friendly Tuesday morning radio host, Debbie Higgs, coming at you on KDUR 91.9 FM, bringing you off the rim. This is a program connecting Fort Lewis College community to the campus and campus to community. I feature events and goings on around campus and give a platform for Skyhawks who have something to say. So wake up and take a listen. This morning, we'll be hearing from Elizabeth Quinn McMillan, Curator of Museum Collections at the Center for Southwest Studies, and I'll be interviewing her about pop-up exhibits that a couple of students set up outside the galleries as well as through line the student exhibition that was organized last semester through the work of a class as well as a curatorial assistant. A lot of cool stuff up there at the Center for Southwest Studies to go up and see, so I hope you all do. Here's the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about all that we've been working on and all of our students and their projects. So I really appreciate you having me on. There's always an amazing exhibit over there, but recently there's something actually right outside the gallery, these pop-up exhibits that I wanted to interview you about this morning that a couple of different students worked on. Yes, so um, in connecting more with students, we, um, we at the center and the museum staff, Amy Cow and myself, um, taught a first year launch class for the first time. It was called The Art of Community. And we really were talking with our students about how to engage students academically and extracurricular and extracurricular activities with the center. And hopefully we'll be seeing a lot more of um, their ideas coming out. But one option for the final project was to do a one item exhibit. And we had two students who chose to do that, Silas Toledo and Savannah Armstrong. And they both pick pieces from our collections and then told their own story. And um, you can see those one item exhibits just outside of our gallery. And there's, there's two cases in the entryway and at the Center of Southwest Studies. So you can kind of check them out almost any time. And they're really great. Wow, cool. So Silas and Savannah, they both got to look around the archives, pick something out and put it on display with some commentary from them. What do you think that process is like? It sounds like the through line exhibit involved that as well. So you've seen a lot of students go through that process at this point. Yes, it's been, you know, working on through line with Elise Bollinger, who is back with us. Um, it was really inspiring to see students, Fort Lewis College students get into the collections and make personal connections or artistic connections or cultural connections with the collections that we have and we have such diverse collections. And so it seemed like a great opportunity with this first year launch class to kind of jump off of that idea. And um, maybe it's something we can do more of into the future. Um, but yeah, Savannah and Silas kind of talked to us about themes they were interested in um, Savannah was interested in Northwest Coast prints um, and representing, um, you know, Alaska villages and Northwest Coast art on campus. And then Silas was talking about his grandfather as a, a jeweler. And so we, we took a look at some of our jewelry collections, which are pretty small, but um, 
in the end, both of them are really lovely, tiny exhibits um, and definitely worth checking out. What's the thinking behind asking students to select a piece of work from the archives? Um, I think, you know, the center's collections are incredibly diverse. We have, at least on the museum end, we have about 70% native and indigenous collections ranging from archeology span and anthropology all the way to contemporary art. Um, but we also have a lot of history of the Southwest mining and, and, and things to do with the environment and the railroad and, and all of these kinds of things. And um, as you spend time there, you can see where a lot of different people can connect to those collections. They can have direct connections in, in some cases with our, um, you know, our native and indigenous collections and then our student population at Fort Lewis it's, it is a very direct uh, connection. We had a first year launch student a couple of years ago come in and recognize pottery that her grandmother had made in the collection. Um, when we had pivot up and we've purchased a piece and, and had a few pieces donated from our exhibit pivot skateboard deck art. Um, those are people's teachers, their community members, their friends. So it's just really inspiring to get different perspectives on the collections. And we learn a lot every single time um, someone steps in there and talks with us about the collections. There's just so much to learn in both directions. And, and that's really the reason to spend um, time and bring people into our collections besides just the curator or the curatorial assistant or you know the director. It's, it's just exciting to have the public come in and use and experience the collections. I guess some people would think of a museum or a gallery as a place where things are on display, but in reality, most of the things are usually not on display. And uh, yeah, it's, it seems important and worthwhile to think about getting students in there <laughs> to see, you know, all that's stored, all the knowledge and history that's stored there in the archives. Yes, the center has a pretty large collection and I I think if you are just on campus, you may not realize that. We have over 600 textiles. We have 2000 pieces of contemporary fine art. We have an archeology span collection. Um, we have historic photos. We've got thousands of historic postcards. I mean, there's just so much there. And as you said, you can't have all of that on exhibit all the time, um, but bringing out, like bringing different people into the collections allows us to bring out pieces that you know, if you only have one or two people making selections, you might not get out for the public to see. It also is an opportunity to encourage research and use of the collections beyond just exhibit. And that's a way for more of our collections to be used. I mean, that's really, when people donate to the center, they want their collections to be used. Um, and with our students and with our community, uh, if we invite people in, that really um, increases that opportunity. It sounds like the class that you taught last semester is responding to this desire in some ways to have interactive experiences where students are engaging with the archives in that way. Can you talk more about that class? Yeah, so just thinking about like Fort Lewis College's strategic plan and the, the idea of experiential learning and, um, you know, the center has 
existed for a long time. And sometimes it's really been seen as a part of campus. We are a department of Fort Lewis. And other times we've been sort of seen as a community asset and a little bit like separate from campus, but we'd really like to be seen as both. And so the first year launch class that we taught was really talking about the different ways that museums and particularly the center interacts with the community, whether that's the Durango community, the Four Corners community, the indigenous communities that are represented in our collections. And then of course, like the big one right now is connecting with our Fort Lewis students. So um, we kind of had discussion each week about different things like academic lectures or, you know, fun programming or, um, you know, social media. We talked about all of those things. And then at the end, they were able to um, work on projects, their, their capstone projects. And they were basically pitching ideas to us of programming they'd like to see or, you know, looking at our social media or creating questionnaires that we can use to gather more information about ways to connect with students, like what better way to figure out how to connect with students than to just ask them directly. So that was sort of the fun of um, the first year launch class. And that was really our focus. And, you know, the center is a great place to introduce new students to the four corners, to the history of the region, to resources on campus. So um, it's sort of combining that first year launch uh, initiative with our own um, desire to connect better with students and, and actually like they're the experts who can answer some of our questions. So that's sort of how we looked at it. Oh, very cool. Are what kinds of students are taking this class? Is it mostly art students or are there students who are wanting to go into museum studies, archaeologists? Well, we ended up with a variety. So I didn't realize when we had signed up to teach a first year launch class that the students don't actually get to choose which class they get placed in. And so in some ways, it was really cool. We ended up with you know, accounting students who are interested in accounting or business um, or geology or teaching students who I feel like have, would have a good connection to the center and could really use the center's resources, but wouldn't necessarily be pushed in the direction of like taking a class about museums. Um, so it was really fun actually to have that mix. We did have some students who expressed interest in working with us through work study or doing internships who were interested in art or museums. Um, but others were just bringing a completely different skill set to the table. And that was really um, cool and exciting. Now, you mentioned Elise Boulanger. I think I just pronounced her name correctly. A curatorial fellow, right? Yes, she um, was a Center of Southwest Studies intern for about three years. And last year she was an intern when she worked on that through line exhibit. And we've been really lucky through private donation um, and with the support of the administration, the president, Tom Sturdekis and Cheryl and Lee Bitsoy and all of those folks to have her come back um, in the role of curatorial fellow. So she just graduated in the spring and she's back working with us again. How incredible to have someone that already has a relationship with the college and the gallery to be involved in doing this work with students. And I think that I read that the curatorial um, fellowship, it was focused on through line 
And then next semester, it's going to be focused on looking at boarding school history. Yes, so Elisa's on back on with us because of the success of that through line format in really bringing students together um, and being able to um, for them to tell stories. I, I've seen the impact both on campus and off campus of people coming to see through line to really learn and understand what the student experience is like and what being an indigenous student or you know any any kind of student is like. Um, and so the idea was to do another um, student art exhibit and this time really focusing on that boarding school history, healing, reconciliation, um, a response, you know, we had on the college campus, we took down those boarding school panels in the clock tower. Um, so sort of a way to not just stop at that, but kind of keep the discussion going. I know there's some plans into the future. It just seemed like that was something that was an opportunity, both with Elisa's skill set and the time period that we're in to really um, explore that. And so she is again working with a group of students on this project, um, which will open when Throughline comes down in the spring. So I'm going to play the devil's advocate, I suppose, here by asking this question because personally, I love art as a way to help me process and understand the world and, and react to the world, right? But I, I think it's worthwhile to ask for the listeners on the show, because looking at this boarding school reconciliation process, which is happening not just here at Fort Lewis, but across North America at different institutions, and there's you can see journalism and there's research and there's intertribal coalitions. There's there's so many facets of this involved. And I wonder why art plays a role in that too. Um, I think that, you know, we've had a lot of discussions about that and you could do research and there may be parts of that that do like research that students are doing that somehow come into this exhibit. But I think the uh, choosing art is like not narrowing down people's message, allowing them to feel how they feel, allowing it to be complicated um, and still being able to um, share that with the world. And, and I think that's what we will see is that um, any, everybody involved has a different experience related to boarding schools, a different feeling and, um, you know, just trying to use art to process all those different and valid feelings and experiences around this complicated history, you know. So I think that's why art makes sense um, at this point. It's not just facts and it's not just, you know, rehashing history, but um, really trying to process and, and reconcile with that. Um, that's, that would be my answer to why art. As a reminder to our listeners out there, you are listening to KDUR 91.9 FM, and this is Off the Rim. I'm here interviewing Liz Quinn with Center for Southwest Studies about some pop-up exhibits that two students created. Their names are Silas and Savannah, and these exhibits really allow students to dig their hands into the archives of Center for Southwest Studies and respond and comment on what they're finding in there. 
Do you want to say anything specific, Liz, about the pieces that those two students selected? Um, yeah, I can talk a little about that. So Savannah chose um, a Northwest Coast print, and we actually got a very large donation a couple of years ago from Bill and Sue Hensler. They have um, donated to us quite a bit. They have a large art collection and a lot of relationships with artists um, and they wanted to donate about 450 prints, um, which, you know, we, we did a lot of work to be able to take those. And it was from that collection that we pulled a piece for Savannah. She looked through, it's such a variety. It's not just, um, you know, your classic plinket or Alaskan piece. There's also actually like Canadian woodlands and other kinds of, um, prints in that collection. It's really amazing. Um, but she did choose uh, one particular piece. And now I'm not remembering the artist because I don't have it in front of me. Um, but it's featuring a salmon design. And it's really beautiful. It's got these blues and greens and grays. Um, it's definitely worth coming to check out. And she really just wanted um, the Northwest to be represented on campus. Um, as you know, at Fort Lewis, there's quite a few native Alaskan students, um, but we are situated in the Southwest. So it's sort of fun to be able to celebrate that and, and make um, our campus a welcoming place for all of our native students. Um, the center's collections don't just focus on the Southwest when it comes to native and indigenous art and culture because of that. So we, like if you came in South through line, you'll see there's Osage artists and Northwest coast artists and um, all of that. And, and so I think that was really driving her selection. And then with Silas, um, we, like I said before, we were talking about his grandfather, who is a jeweler, a jeweler and um, he really just wanted to celebrate his grandfather and to think about that connection, which I think is really lovely. Um, and so we looked at our very small jewelry collection and picked a really beautiful um, squash blossom necklace, turquoise and silver. Um, and so even though that's not a piece that his grandfather made, it sort of connects with that story of being a jeweler. And I think that really personal story is, is very lovely. Like we have sort of a juxtaposition between a more general intention and a very personal story. And they're both really awesome. You mentioned this before that it's almost like you're learning from the students in this way that it's not just about the students doing research about the past, but this is, Fort Lewis is a gathering place for students of all different tribes and backgrounds. And there's, there's something forward moving and some, some other kind of, you know, just um, new things to be discovered through that. Yes, we're very lucky on campus, you know, um, having the collections we have and having the student body with the experience and knowledge that they have. I may be the curator, but there's a lot of lived experience that I haven't had. And so um, getting to work with students with collections is often really enlightening in that way. Um, they know like traditional stories, they know techniques, they have an understanding and a personal connection to the items in the collections. Um, and I, I do love the idea of like Fort Lewis as a gathering place and, um, you know, allowing the center's collections to be a celebration of that and to represent that on campus and to bring that aesthetic um, 
across campus and, and hopefully make people feel welcome or curious or all of the above. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's really nice. Tirza Camacho was also involved in the Throughline exhibit. Can you explain more of her role in that exhibit? Sure. So for Throughline, we arranged for there to be two Native artist mentors, and they actually happen to both be Fort Lewis College alumni. Tirza was one of them, and then Garrett Etsidi, who is an artist living in Phoenix, he was the other one. And the students were able to meet and talk with them about the creative process. Um, and this was all funded through a partnership we have with Pendleton they, that um, they have created a preservation series with their textiles. So they came and spent time with us and they created textiles based on items in our collections. Wow. And then we get a portion, a portion of those proceeds. And, and the first project we were really excited to do with that was to connect the students with these artists and alumni. Um, and so Garrett was far away. So we did some meeting via Zoom. Tirza, we were lucky she's right in our own community. Um, she met with students via Zoom. She came up, they worked on a collaborative piece together. You can see that on the back wall of the exhibit. Um, and I think that was really, uh, meaningful to students for them to be able to work together on art for them to come together especially having gone through that whole crazy year with COVID-19 and everything like that um, and she really just brought a lot of thoughtfulness to that. We talked about this before the show so I know I'm not putting you too much on the spot. I'm going to read this artist statement that I I took a picture of this when I went to the gallery. I I took a picture of a lot of the works too, which I think is allowed, right? <laughs> it is allowed, yes. Um, it's funny because I remember still before there were smartphones, I used to be the person with a, a pad of paper that wrote so many notes every single time I went to an art exhibit. But now you can just snap a picture. So I'm going <laughs> to read this statement. I believe that there is some sort of social plague in this young country known as the United States. It's the loss of connection to both the roots of your personal identity and to a subgroup who shares similar values. While that's a generalization, it's quite true for many indigenous people as their relationship to their identities were systematically obliterated, outlawed, or removed. Yes, not all aspects, but enough to sense that vacancy as big as grief. Like there is no bereavement period long enough to dim the loss. And that void is haunting. I feel this. Students here feel this. The overall theme encountered with this project that deserves leveraging is how unexamined various identity positions are, how they're left unattended and stigmatized by the self or by others. It will take physical activation and projects like this to normalize these conversations, to build a sense of community and collectively heal. No one should be allowing this rightful owner's agency, allowing the rightful owner's agency over materials their families created, rather insisting practices to be built that center indigenous interests should be prioritized. This project is a step, is a step in that direction. The extent of the collection at the Center for Southwest Studies has long been a mystery to students, locals, and visitors. I'm curious what systems change can take place to lessen the sterility of this institution. What creative endeavors can improve relationships between preservation, access, and engagement? 
We're living in a time where power structures are shifting. More questions are being asked. People are listening in new ways and oppressed people are gaining power. How can students drive the thinking? I hope they can figure out a way to get to the collection and be with the materials that are a part of them. Students, your ancestors left messages for you. They're downstairs. So that was Tirza Camacho's statement attached to a collaborative piece that was created for the exhibit. And there's a lot there, but if you, yeah. I'm, do you want to comment in any way on what they wrote? Um, I think that it's a really beautiful statement and it's really where museums need to be going. Uh, like I said before, the idea that the curator is the expert and they dictate how things are cared for and how they're presented is sort of an outdated model. And even though sometimes it's more work, um, it's really important that we are collaborating, that we are bringing in the voices of the people whose materials are in our collections. Um, and in this case, we have this whole group of students and they really deserve the time to be in the collections in whatever way that means something to them. It doesn't, can be the simple one item exhibit. It can be part of through line. It can be simply just access without a product. You know what I mean? Research, any of it. Mm -hmm. um, that's really our hope and that people do feel more connected to campus and more connected to where we are because these collections are here and because they feel like they have ownership over them. Um, and I know the center has worked in that direction for a long time, um, but it seemed like a good time to really focus on those student voices. Um, and, and I do think like when Elise and I were talking about through line, it really was this idea of conversation back and forth, you know, conversation, the students are in conversation with these pieces, with these items from the collections. Um, and it's sort of this conversation that's going back and forth. It's not just one direction. And, and that's really amazing to think about. And that was really like that, what Tears of Rote really captures a lot of the ideas that we were thinking about as Elise and I and Amy and everyone were talking about through line and talking about where we want to go next. So it's funny because I noticed that in the Durango Herald, they said they mentioned her statement and said that she admonished the Center for Southwest Studies, which I think is frankly, a little bit ridiculous, actually, that it's, it doesn't sound admonishing to me. It sounds like there's some um, actually urging students in there also to, to be, you know, that's, that's part of the equation is students being involved in the process. Yes, I, I think that Tirza was really capturing a lot of thoughts about like where the state of museums and where the state of our community is at rather than necessarily totally. admonishing yeah. any one person um, or having a negative feeling. I think it was more of like a really well expressed um, urging. I mean, I've been lucky enough, Tirza has worked with us in numerous ways over time. So she's been part of the team and she always brings really valuable and thoughtful insight. And it's really nice to hear that captured, you know, from an artist's perspective, um, 
I think that's really positive and I hope that more museum visitors think about about that stuff too as well as more museum professionals and critiquing and changing and moving forward as far as the way people interact with the galleries that's just day-to-day -day part of your job at this point so yes Yes, it sounds fascinating. Before we end our show this morning, Liz, is there anything else you want to share with the audience about Center for Southwest Studies, anything else going on? Is there a class next semester? Um, there, we are not, we will not be teaching a class next semester. Um, I do always want to talk about our internships. The center has been training the next generation of museum professionals, which is why statements and thinking like Tirza's are really important within our galleries. Um, we're working with uh, Native students and other students and training the next um, group of museum professionals right here on campus, right in Durango. Um, I've got 10 students working with me this semester and down on the archives and they have 10 students as well. So it's really, um, we're, we're trying to uh, double our impact through those opportunities. Um, also on the archives end, they have been teaching or co-teaching an archives class with the public history program. So that's very exciting. Um, and we're just getting ready for next semester and working on new exhibits and um, working on making our collections more accessible online. And there's always a lot going on behind the scenes to try to really increase that community access and interaction, both online and in person, and um, things are coming together really well. Thank you so much, Liz, for coming on the show to share all of that with our listeners in Durango and the surrounding areas. It was a pleasure, and I hope you enjoy your Tuesday. All right. Thank you so much for having me. This has been Off the Rim on KDUR 91.9. Thanks for listening, everybody out there. If you are a member of the Skyhawk community and you want to be on the show, make sure to get in touch with me, Debbie. You can send me an email at dwhiggs, that's d-w-h-i-g-g-s, at fortlewis.edu.